Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 1st, and this is your FT News Briefing. If the U.S. House of Representatives votes to impeach Donald Trump, a leading senator says a trial will be held. European central banks want politicians to act over risks linked to rising house prices. And WeWork officially withdraws its plans for an initial public offering. Plus, Royal Dutch Shell is stuck between a rock and a hard place. The FT's Anjali Raval explains how oil companies are trying to turn toward clean energies without giving up on their fossil fuel moneymakers. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Donald Trump has not been impeached. The U.S. House of Representatives is conducting an impeachment inquiry. But if the U.S. House of Representatives does end up moving on from its impeachment inquiry to voting to impeach the president, then the Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he would hold a trial in the Senate. Yeah, it's a it's a Senate rule related to impeachment that would take 67 votes to change. So I would have no choice but to take it up. Uh, How long you're on it is a whole different matter, but I would have no choice uh, but to take it up. That was Mr. McConnell talking to CNBC on Monday. Mr. Trump would be removed from office if he is impeached by the House and convicted by the Senate. The impeachment inquiry was sparked by Mr. Trump's July 25th phone call with Volodymyr Zelensky. In the call, Mr. Trump asked the Ukraine president to investigate former U.S. vice president and 2020 presidential candidate Joe Biden and his son Hunter. At the time, Ukraine was waiting on an aid package from the U.S., Meanwhile, as part of the impeachment inquiry, the House Intelligence Committee issued a subpoena for Rudy Giuliani on Monday. Mr. Giuliani is the former mayor of New York City and has served as a personal lawyer and fixer for Mr. Trump. Mr. Giuliani has already admitted in an interview with CNN that he asked the Ukrainian government to investigate Mr. Biden. European central bankers want more from politicians to limit the risk of rising house prices. Fears about higher mortgages being taken out by borrowers on homes and heating property markets has prompted the bankers to pressure politicians to introduce tighter regulations. Thanks to low interest rates, residential property prices in Europe have been rising at an average of more than 4% a year. That's well above the rate of growth in both wages and GDP. The European System Risk Board is the authority responsible for monitoring and preventing dangers to the EU financial system. And last week, the ESRB called on 11 of the 30 countries it oversees to take action to curb the risks created by surging house prices. These included the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, France, and the Czech Republic. The head of the secretariat of the ESRB told the FT that he wants people to understand that, quote, we are back to pre-crisis peaks in the housing markets of a lot of countries. And WeWork has formally withdrawn its plan for an initial public offering. The last few weeks have been rough for WeWork. Potential investors in its public offering were not prepared to pay anywhere near the $47 billion valuation that it had raised money at earlier in the year. Also last week, it suspended new lease agreements with property owners for a short period, and Chief Executive Adam Newman was deposed, as well as having his voting rights reduced. The company is now in talks to renegotiate a $1.5 billion injection from SoftBank, its largest investor. The company's new co-CEOs issued a brief statement saying they hope to get the IPO back on track, though they did not say when. 
And here's a closer look at a story you should know more about. As consumers become increasingly concerned with climate change, attention is shifting to oil companies. What are they doing to lessen their impact on the environment? It turns out Ben Van Burden, the chief executive at Royal Dutch Shell, isn't just getting those questions from shareholders and the public. So I talked to Ben and I said, what about at home? He's got four kids. And I said, how do they feel? That's the FT's senior energy correspondent, Anjali Raval. She recently chatted with Mr. Van Burden for a story on Shell. He went back to a time when his daughter was nine or ten and she came back from school and she was completely in tears because somebody had said to her that oil and gas companies were destroying the planet. And and you could tell when Ben was telling the story, he was sort of agonizing about the whole thing because this became personal. You know, it was in his house and his daughter was incredibly upset. Mr. Van Burden couldn't stick to talking points like carbon taxes and the intricacies of governments and consumers. It just wasn't the conversation you could have with somebody who's 10 years old. And so he just replied, you know, you have to trust me. Royal Dutch Shell has, of course, come under increased pressure from others besides Mr. Van Burden's daughter. Climate activists, shareholders, and the Dutch government all want to know what Shell is going to do to move toward cleaner energy. Easier said than done. Even if Shell makes that move, and it does, as dependency on oil weakens, how does it do it without losing out on the thing that's making it money now? How does it get the same returns from clean power as it does from its legacy business? So it's extremely difficult to let go of these profits for the sake of cleaner forms of energy, which they know is much better for the environment, but they just cannot generate the same kind of returns from this. If you're an investor, this is also a dilemma for you because you are thinking of your fiduciary duty. You're thinking about the pensioners whose money you're, you're investing in these companies. And you're thinking, well, OK, the dividends are great now, but what about in time to come? Will they still be worth it? Is an investment in Shell a good thing or a bad thing? Are all these assets that they own going to become uneconomic if, in decades to come, no one wants them? So, Anjali, what are Shell's goals? As of right now, these are all just ambitions. So it's extremely difficult to let go of these profits. Uh, Cash flows come from the oil value chain. So that's oil production, refining, marketing, and the last third, largely from gas. Ben Van Burden, chief executive of Shell, hopes that in time, this will become more balanced. So you'll have a third oil, a third gas, and a third from power and cleaner energies. Now, there is no time frame for this, but it's something that is important to have this goal at some point in the future. So overall, is the oil industry responding in the same way? How are, how are Shell's rivals responding to all this? So if you're an American oil and gas company, you're thinking very differently. Let's be clear, everyone is now having to talk about and think about what the Paris climate goals mean for them. And everyone's having to build a narrative for themselves around this to show the world they are thinking about it and they are taking this very seriously. Let's remember that it's the burning of fossil fuels that contributes to all these emissions that are causing global warming. So the fact they can just continue as if it's business as usual, it's not going to cut it anymore. But each company has got a different approach. So, for example, Total of France is a bit like Shell whereby they are really gunning for 
some kind of expertise and making a huge number of investments along the electricity supply chain. And this way they can use the gas that they're already producing and they find, it, find an outlet for their gas, but they're also finding avenues, hopefully one day, that they can also become a renewable power player. That's where Total and Shell find some common ground. But other companies are just not like that. They think they should just stick to their knitting. They can see demand for oil and gas continue to grow. Demand across Africa and Asia is growing still. And there is still a need for fossil fuels, even if politically it's a toxic subject. This story is part of the FT's Companies of the Future series, where we take a look at the difficult trade-offs companies such as Royal Dutch Shell must make to survive. Keep an eye out for more stories like this one in the coming weeks at ft.com forward slash future hyphen company. Today, we'll be following Kristalina Georgieva as she takes her place as the head of the IMF. Ms. Georgieva takes over from Christine Lagarde, who is set to become president of the European Central Bank. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.